Welcome to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome to The Good Life. Encouraging you with inspirational stories to share with family and friends, offering perspectives of hope through Jesus Christ. Today, we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview. When I hosted this show in Hawaii, I'm joined with my co-host, Suzanne Maurer. Join us now. Open your heart to what God has to say to you. What should we do when we observe negative family patterns? What's necessary to raise teens as responsible adults? Jim Burns is president of Homeward and executive director of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University. Jim speaks to thousands of people around the world each year. He has over 1.5 million resources in print in over 25 languages. His radio broadcast is heard on over 800 stations a day and heard around the world via podcast at homeward.com. We pause for a moment at the beginning of our show just to remind you the reason we have the Good Life radio program is to bring you closer and closer to Jesus Christ in the midst of Raising your family in the midst of the busyness of work, in the midst of growing up to bring you closer to Jesus, uh, Jesus who loves you so much. He died on the cross for your sins. He shed his precious blood on that cross to wash your sins away. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again from the grave and the living Christ today, who has touched the heart of Jim Burns, will touch the heart of your heart and the heart of those near you. Would you open your heart to Jesus Christ? That's our hope. That's our prayer. Jim and his wife, Kathy, and their three daughters, Christy, Rebecca, and Heidi, live in Southern California. Jim, welcome to our show. Danny, it's great to be with you. Jim, where did you grow up? I actually grew up here in Southern California. I I was an Anaheim kid. I grew up right in the shadows of Disneyland, literally one block away. And... uh, and said to the Lord when I became a Christian, I would go anywhere and do anything, and I uh, went away to uh, Princeton, New Jersey after I got married, and then did my doctorate in England and came right back mm-hmm. to Orange County, <laughs> and that's where I've stayed. So well, I haven't I've, moved far. I've moved 16 miles, Danny, from uh, where I grew up. Close to the happiest place on earth? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I worked there at one time. I'm not sure it was totally the happiest place for okay. everybody, but... Okay. Good place. (laughs) (laughs) Who influenced you most, Jim, in your growing up years? Well, you know, my mom and dad were great. I wasn't raised in a Christian home, but mom and dad were, you know, were those good, solid people who uh, I knew I was loved, I knew I was cared for, I knew I was believed in, cheered on, you know, that kind of a thing. So, you know, during that time, it was mom and dad. When when I became a Christian, then there was a that opened up a whole new insight for me, and so I met so many more people who were you know Christ followers, and so. Then I would I would have to say that it was mom and dad gave me a good foundation for a lot of things, but then it was the uh, the Christian folks and and when I was in high school I became a Christian, and there was a man named John Watson and he was my campus life leader, hmm. and that you know it was a Christian club club on Anaheim High's campus and uh, that guy to this day 
who's now a retired pastor. He lives in Texas, but he is still uh, so influential in my life and has kind of been that you know mentor uh, hero that uh, I would think of when I when I was 16 and I became a Christian. I said, well, I want to marry somebody like he married. I want to have kids like he had kids. I want to do ministry like he did. Mm. And uh, you know, he was that guy. And really, really so honored to have somebody who kind of mentored me through uh, life. And I would still call him a mentor. When we get together, we we ask uh, the good questions, and he, he continues to challenge me, and he lives uh, he lives a life that's really committed. It's been great. What happened in your heart uh, for you when you did become a Christian? <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because I figured I was a Christian. I'm, you know, an American, aren't we all Christians? <laughs> and uh, I got to be 16, and I uh, was interested in some girl. I said, you want to go to the beach on Sunday? And she said, well, I have to go to church. And I went, well, that's interesting. I didn't know she went to church. And I didn't know much about church. So she said, come. So I, I followed her to church. And, you know, even that first day I went, wow, these people are really great. And I think I had an impression that Christians were kind of uh, oh, loser types or something. And so over a period of time, we started going to that church on Sunday morning and then we had an incredible Sunday evening service. And I, it was right in the midst, Danny, of the uh, Jesus movement. It was 1970. Mm. Um, it was when Calvary Chapel in uh, Southern California was you know, just getting started with Chuck Smith and all the music people and whatnot. Mm. And I was right in the midst of that. <clears throat> so, um, you know, I ended up becoming a Christian, believe it or not, on February 14th, Valentine's Day. Oh, my. And uh, pretty cool. And... Um, that, you know, that changed my life. And it wasn't one of those moments. I did that in my bedroom. I had kindly, finally figured out, you know, what you do. And I did it in my bedroom in the kind of the quietness of my heart. And, you know, that night I went to bed and I, I didn't wake up thinking, wow, I've changed. But truly, when you ask the question about the heart, mm. you know, my, my heart changed at that point. And, and almost immediately I moved from uh, wanting to play professional baseball. My brother played for the Chicago White Sox. And um, that was kind of all I wanted to do, to really going into ministry. And uh, by March, I was telling people <laughs> I wanted to do ministry, and they'd say, well, what kind of ministry? And I said, well, I don't know, because I didn't have any idea, but I knew that I was already beginning to be influenced as a young person, and I, I later understood that that was probably a call for me to, to uh, spend the rest of my life trying to help kids make good, right, and wise decisions, mm -hmm. and that's what I'm still trying to do. Jim, how did your parents and your brother react? Yeah. Well, I, I actually have three brothers, Suzanne, and, oh, wow. and uh, none of them were real happy about it. <laughs> and my parents were like, what are you doing? And they were afraid I was going to become some kind of a, you know, Jesus freak, which I sort of did become. Uh -huh. And uh, that Praise concerned them. You know, when yeah, here were people who, you know, were, I mean, my, pe my parents, again, were good people. They, and they, uh, you know, I already was looking at some schools, um, you know, Ivy type schools and whatnot for my undergrad. And Later on, when I announced I wanted to go to a Christian school at Azusa Pacific, and you know every school around, I was going to get scholarships to play baseball, <laughs> and I wasn't at Azusa. My dad was like, seriously, and then he was afraid. He was afraid for the finances because you know he thought ministry people, you know, how did they make a living? And mm -hmm. even when I became a youth pastor, you know, it was kind of like, when are you going to get a real job? And but you know, more and more, um, my parents watched uh, me grow in my faith, and it wasn't so much the Jesus part of it, because they didn't understand that, it was Jesus living in and through me, and all of a sudden they started going, guy, you know, he's he's making good decisions, he's getting good grades, oh my goodness, he's dating the world's greatest person, they loved my uh, mm. wife, we dated all throughout college. And then, you know, as time went on, they began to 
really began to to applaud the decision to become a Christian, and actually even before they be, they both became Christians, but before they became Christians, um, they were beginning to to say more things like, "Boy, Jim and Kathy are great people." Not we wanted them to say Jesus is a great you know savior. Mm-hmm. But as time went on, they finally figured that out, and I wouldn't call either one of them. Um, you know, assistance to Billy Graham uh, as they got older, <laughs> but they truly did have a faith, and uh, so both of, are now passed on. But I know that I will see them in eternity, and I have that assurance in terms of conversations with them and and all of that. So you know, the, again, good people who um, who really also needed to to know Christ. I actually see that in Hawaii a lot of times. I'll see people who you know really are good people. They're, they they have a spirituality. My parents had somewhat of a spirituality. But we just went to church at uh, Christmas Eve and, and Easter, and that was kind of it. And that, that's what I thought, you know, Christians did. I didn't get that there was this whole other agenda going on. Mm. Thank Jim, you, Jim. How long have you and Kathy been married? Forty-two years, wow. Danny. Long mm. time. Crazy. Forty-two years. We got married one week out of college. <laughs> so we now say, you know, I just finished a book called Getting Ready for Marriage. Mm-hmm. And we say, oh, my goodness, you know, if you get married too young, that's not going to work. And and for Kathy and I, we call that the miracle of miracles that, you know, that it did work and it continues to work. But, uh, yeah, 42 years. We just celebrated 42 years of, of uh, marriage and oh, are looking for another 42. Yay. Thanks. Well, one yeah. of your seminars, Creating an Intimate Marriage, is yeah. it possible, Jim, to refresh and improve your marriage after years together? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I, I really believe that. And I, I believe that partly as a living testimony that if Kathy and I can do it, we call ourselves a high-maintenance marriage. <laughs> both of us, you know, we both came from these, you know, non-Christian backgrounds. Again, not horrible, but not the best. And um, And we didn't really know how to do relationships. And so what we've realized is that no, you can, but you have to work on it, and it takes time and energy and focus. And a lot of couples, uh, once they get married, they get busy, they get distracted, uh, they quit doing some of the basics of what it takes to to be uh, in a in an intimate marriage. And uh, I think we've learned it through the hard way. We were both stubborn enough that we weren't going anyplace. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm I'm working on a, a talk that I'm going to give this week. I'm using a Hebrew word called ahava. And ahava means complete devotion. And it sounds it's like a Hawaiian, the, a Hawaiian word. It, doesn't it? It totally does. Sounds like I, <laughs> I, I think it sounds like a Hawaiian, you know, lotion or something. <laughs> yes. But um, but ahava is a Hebrew word that's one of the words for love. It's, it's mm. you know, we always know that the Greeks had several words for love, but actually the Hebrews did too. Mm. And it means complete devotion, and and it's really not uh, a feeling as much as an action. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that, uh, you know, for Kathy and I, even through good and sometimes harder times, you know, we, we are readily admitting that, you know, we have this high-maintenance marriage thing. But I think, I think the Ahava love that we didn't really understand is what, you know, kind of kept us together. I remember a time when we both, one night, oh my gosh, we were just, and neither one of us are big-time fighters or screamers or those kind of things, but, you know, she said something and it pushed on me and we were hitting buttons everywhere and, Finally, we said, we need to just take a break from each other for a little bit. And, you know, I came back to her and I said, you know, we both said things that were not helpful. And we both said things that were somewhat mean-spirited. And, and I'm, I'm sorry for my part, but I need to tell you, you know, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> and, you know, Kathy's eyes welled up with tears because she was in a fa- from a family where people left. I mean, there mm. were 
you know, there was some dysfunction, there was some divorce and, and mm. whatnot. And, and, you know, Jesus did the same thing to us. Um, God's love is Ahava love. You know, he, you know, he's not going anywhere. He's, he stayed. Jesus stayed on the cross. Uh, and so I think that's an important message to he, for, for people to hear when it comes to, you know, creating an intimate message for uh, marriage. For example, a, a new study came out in the last year that said, uh, it's interesting, Danny, because it's a, it's a Harvard study that said if you have a troubled marriage and you persevere for five years, 75% of the people who persevere will say that their marriage is better off mm. for persevering. Mm. Now, it doesn't say that the marriage was perfect or it doesn't say that they did all the magic, you know, a magic wand. And frankly, it doesn't say there's, it's, this is not a Christian study. <clears throat> but, but part of the Ahava love, you know, God's love, is, is you know, he, he's persevered for us. And when we persevere with each other in marriage, I really do think it's a, mm. it's a bonding situation that, uh, that, that's beautiful. You know, uh, it's, uh, you know, there are, there are days in Kathy's and my marriage where it's beautiful, incredible, wonderful. We just had a week of vacation in Lake Tahoe with our family and it was Mm. incredible. And then, uh, you know, there's days when it's mundane, but Mm. even in the mundaneness, it's good to have the security of knowing that I'm not going anyplace and she's not going anyplace. So we might as well work it, work it out. Dr. Jim Burns talking about creating an intimate marriage. Talk about 42 years. Hey, a hava love, a love that's uh, reflective of complete devotion. It's uh, void of feeling. Of course, feelings come and go, but it's the action, the action, the commitment. Perhaps today, dear friend, as you hear Dr. Jim Burns share heart to heart with you, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to reassure uh, your spouse. Your husband, your wife, uh, let them know. Maybe, maybe today, something happened. Maybe a word was said. Maybe, maybe more than a word was said. Maybe your heart has been broken. Uh, maybe you're filled with rage. Uh, maybe there's a growing sense of resentment in your heart. Maybe even now, the Lord uh, sends him to remind you, to remind us, remind Suzanne and me about the uh, Ahava love, that Hebrew uh, love. I'm not going anywhere. No matter what, I'm still here. I'm still here. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Wandering the road of desperate life Aimlessly beneath the barren sky Leave it to me i lead you home James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is brought to you by generous sponsors. Thank you to Coach Dino Babers and Mrs. Susan Babers, Mr. Edmund Jung and Mrs. May Jung, Mr. Rodney Arias Sr., A1A Electrician, Cedar Assembly of God, and the Thursday Men's Breakfast, Boston. If you, your business, or your church would like to support The Good Life with Dr. Danny, please visit drdanny.live. Join our partnership team. That's drdanny.live. Thank you. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny. 
a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today, we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview. When I hosted this show in Hawaii, I'm joined with my co-host, Suzanne Maurer. Please enjoy. Teenology, the art of raising great teenagers. Closer, 52 devotions to draw couples together. Confident parenting and the purity code. You can find out more about these books and the resources of Jim Burns and his team at homeward.com. Again, homeward.com. Before our break, he was speaking with us about rekindling romance and intimacy in marriage. Uh, he mentioned a word called ahava. It's not a Hawaiian word, although it sounds like a Hawaiian lotion or some kind like that, but it's a Hebrew word, an intentional devotion, uh, an action in love. The Good Life Radio Show here. Danny Yamashiro with my co-host Suzanne Maurer. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's a blessing to have you with us. If you're tuning in right now, you can get this program in its entirety. As a free podcast, go to thegoodlifehawaii.com. Jim, when it comes to understanding our teenagers, what should a parent do to teach about, and I know this is a big subject uh, nowadays, and it's uh, all the more increasing, but uh, teach about sexuality. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because Suzanne knows and understands uh, and has a great heart for helping kids make great decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. And, you know, I've known her and respected and admired her for a long time. So she's heard me say this before, but, you know, the fact is, Danny, that um, all studies show, both liberal and conservative studies show, that the more positive value-centered sex education kids receive from home, the less promiscuous they are. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is you know, if I'm standing uh, in before anyone, uh, any group of parents in the in the state of Hawaii or any other place, but especially let's focus on Hawaii for a minute, um, because that's where you guys are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say, how many of you received good, positive, healthy sex education from your parents? Now I'm speaking to parents, mm-hmm. and I would say if there was a a group of 100 to a thousand, that there would be a handful, mm-hmm. less less than five mm-hmm. people would raise their hand. Well, you know, what's happening is, is we've allowed uh, our culture to do the teaching. Today, the number one place kids get information is the internet. I'm not so sure the internet is the, is the place to be. So as parents, what they've got to do is they've got to be able to, I believe, have those conversations. The earlier, the better. And when I say the earlier, the better, I mean, my goodness, you're not going to say something to a three-year-old that's, you know, awkward, but what you are going to say is God made your body and God sees it as good and God made boys and God made girls and those Boys and girls grew up to be, you know, young men and young women. And, you know, you get them feeling comfortable about their sexuality and you teach them, um, not that you're going to say this to a younger kid, but you're teaching them really a theology of healthy sexuality. Mm-hmm. And when they get that from home, it doesn't mean that they're not going to be tempted or they're not going to struggle, but it does mean that they're going to have, uh, uh, they, they know the values of, of, of what their family values are, what God's values are in this. And I think, unfortunately, for too long, we've taught from a negative standpoint, you know, don't do it because it's dirty, rotten, rotten and horrible. Say that dirty, rotten, horrible thing until you're married. That'll be great. So, you know, we're supposed to turn on a dime or whatever. You know, it just confuses us. So I think from, from the beginning when parents do it. Now, the funny thing is, um, you know, I've written a lot of books on, on sexuality for kids and, and for parents. But 
with my kids, oh my goodness, we were la- they were making fun of me last week because it, you know they're now in their twenties, and I've got one who's a therapist, and you know they are great, but they were making fun of me with the conversations that I had with them because they said, Dad, you were so awkward when it came to some of this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, it was. It's you know it's not going to be simple. It's not going to be easy. How do you bring up some of this stuff? You just have awkward conversations, and mm. you laugh at it later, but. You know, they need to know where you stand and what, what, what's God's view of a healthy sexuality. And, and I think it's very positive. He created sexuality, after all. And, Jim, what I appreciate so much is um, your uh, emphasis on purity. And uh, we have a group here. I, I, the name slips me, but they've had at least two purity conferences at uh, First yeah. Assembly of God. And... We just need so much more of that. But you're yep. right. It, it, there's such an awkwardness to it. And so maybe we need to involve prayer a little bit more as parents sure. to pray, uh, help yeah. us with this. But I really appreciate um, your yeah. aspect of purity. Well, you know, Suzanne, you're, you're right. And, and I love the word purity. The, mm-hmm. the word purity has gotten a lousy you know, deal now because people look at it as, you know, some kind of a forced situation. Purity is, you know, it's very biblical and and it's beautiful. I mean, Mm -hmm. who would not want to have more of a sexual purity or a sexual integrity, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and when you say prayer, I, you know, there, Kathy and I can document times when we, we would get together about every six months, Kathy and I, we'd go to the beach. We live about a mile and a half from the Mm, beach. I know that. (laughs) And we'd just sit at the beach, and uh, even if it was, you know, a chillier day, we would just sit there and we'd have a yellow notebook, and we'd say, what do we want to talk to our kids about? And then with different subjects, so it would be education, their spiritual life, always, you know, we'd add sexuality. Mm -hmm. And then we'd sort of pray, and and instead of trying to do a forced sit-down, we're going to have the big one-hour talk about sex, we would we would pray and we'd say, God, give us moments. This is the topic that we think is right for Christy right now. She's age 11. She's just going through starting puberty. You know, here's the kind of conversation. Here's the age for Rebecca when she got to be 16 and now wanting to date or whatever. And then Mm -hmm. we'd pray. And what was amazing is then our kids would bring it up or we'd be watching a television show together for some reason. And we had said, well, on that list, we had had, well, we're going to talk to them about dating, Christians dating non-Christians, say. And all of a sudden, on a secular television show, something happens, and Kathy looks over at me, goes, this is your time, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Put on the pause and say, you know, that's amazing, because Mom and I were talking about this. What do you think about, you know? And, and that's sometimes some of the best ways to have conversation. When you say pray, if you're going to pray about it, I believe that God gives you those opportunities. And then I also think he also gives us the strength to, to have those conversations uh, not just always spontaneous, but sometimes we need to say, hey, let's let's walk through uh, something. I had an email this morning. I, I wrote a book called The Purity Code for Kids, and mm-hmm. it's probably the most used book right now. And, and a, a mom said that she had gone through it with her 13-year-old daughter. And when she started, she said, um, honey, I, w- I want to go through this book on sexuality. And then the 13-year-old, of course, said, mom, no way. Plus, I probably know more than you do, which, you know, <laughs> isn't true. But, you know, that was the 13-year-old mindset. And the mom just said, I'm weeping as I'm writing this because she made a commitment to the purity code, which says, in honor of God, my family, my future spouse, I commit to sexual purity. So cool. And that my daughter was really engaged with me. And I'm already looking forward to, you know, talking with my, you know, next daughter or whatever. Um, you, know, there, you know, when she, I mean, she's younger now. But what a cool story of a mom who, you know, it didn't start right. It didn't start easy. The daughter didn't even want to talk to her about it, but they went through a 
they went through the, the, the purity code. They, they actually read it together. They talked about the questions together. Um, I'm sure they had some fun, funny moments. They had some laughter. They probably had some <laughs> moments of disagreement. Today's generation, you know, you're going to have different disagreement on whatever. But um, how, how, what a privilege for the mom to actually pray with the daughter to, you know, kind of commit to this purity code. Jim, yeah, let great. our listeners know where to get that. I just gave that to one of my Hanai sons who's raising three uh, little girls on his own, the oldest yeah. of which is 14, and the time is now. But how can our listeners get that, please? Well, they can go to, they can go to online, any, I mean, they can go to homeward.com and, of course, pick it up. Mm-hmm. But they can also go to, you know, bookstores. They can go to amazon.com. Okay. Um, it's called The Purity Code. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really for kids about age 10 older. And you say, 10, what do you mean? Well, that's the age that kids are beginning to start working through puberty, typically. Um, Some, obviously, especially in terms of certain ethnic groups, a little bit later. But the average kid will see pornography at age 11. So, you know, you want to start somewhat early. Purity code, uh, churches use it in, in, you know, kind of from that 10, 11-year-old till on through, you know, the teen years. Mm -hmm. And and any of our material, you know, we have a book uh, called... uh, how God makes babies for littler kids, mm-hmm. um, and we have a book for three to five year olds, a book for six to nine year olds, and then and then the purity code, as well as you know books for parents to kind of figure out how to do it. <laughs> Thank um, you. But um, I just find that those kinds of resources are really helpful for parents. Parents parents need the the kind of resources, so you know they can use my voice, not their own voice, and mm-hmm. they can you know the kids can go, oh, I disagree with that guy. But you know, mm-hmm, then they don't have mm-hmm. to worry about disagreeing with their mom or dad, although some of them might. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Thank you for uh, deflecting for all, all, all us parents, uh, and yet providing the resources that are so so desperately so desperately needed today. You can find out more about Dr. Jim Burns and uh, again the Purity Code and and other resources at homeward.com. You ever feel like uh, you need to learn more about parenting? You wish your uh, your sense of confidence could increase as a parent because of what you know or what you're able to foresee? Well, Confident Parenting is one of the seminars that Homeward presents, that along with creating an intimate marriage uh, and more, again, at homeward.com. Dr. Jim Burns sharing heart-to-heart with us. Dear friend, are you parenting? Are you... Are you stumbling? Are you frustrated? Uh, You wish you had it to do over again? Well, it's not too late. It's not too late to uh, augment. Make some adjustments. We're here to encourage you. Uh, We're here to remind you that you're not alone. And uh, in those awkward feelings, even talking about sexuality, I'm with you there. Suzanne's with you there. Dr. Jim Burns is with you, too. And we'll be back with more. Stay with us. Wandering the road of desperate life Namelessly beneath the barren sky Leave it to me I leave you On behalf of Danny Yamashiro Ministries, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny weekdays at 6 p.m. on WEZE and visiting drdanny.live for more resources. My dear friend, it is because of listeners and donors like you that we are able to spread the message of Jesus' love and bring hope to people like you, your family, and friends. Proverbs 11.25 says, He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. 
Will you prayerfully consider donating to Danny Yamashiro Ministries so that we may continue to broadcast the gospel so believers will be built up and non-believers may form a relationship with Jesus Christ? Visit drdanny.live to make a financial contribution today. That's drdanny.live. And thank you again for supporting The Good Life with Dr. Danny. May God richly bless you with The Good Life. Listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview when I hosted this show in Hawaii. I'm joined with my co host, Suzanne Maurer. Please enjoy. And you're listening to the Good Life Radio Show. Danny Almashiro here with Suzanne Maurer and our our guest today from uh, Anaheim, California, Orange County, California. Dr. Jim Burns. Find out more about him and again, Homeward at Homeward.com. Jim, why is it vital to communicate lasting values through family traditions and everyday family routines? Well, actually, as you well know, that's how we pass on faith, Danny. Um, you know, some of the studies out right now are frightening. Sixty-five percent of the kids who are in youth groups who graduate from high school aren't going to be in a church one year later. I mean, that's that's mm. an embarrassment and a uh, stain in the world of youth and family ministry in the world that I live in. Mm-hmm. And yet, there is a 300 percent better chance if there are faith conversations in the home on a regular basis. Now, I'm not talking about toxic or lecture or preachy, but I'm saying if it, if, it, if it comes natural. So what we're trying to do is you're seeing an incredible movement of God uh, where there, we're, we're beginning to see what we call partnering with parents um, in the church, where we see what we call faith, uh, uh, faith-based uh, parenting-type experiences, where you know, people are, are really trying to, um, you know, more and more the church is trying to help parents have some of those kind of conversations. And you know, we were talking about sexuality earlier, but the fact is is that even the issue of faith does not come natural sometimes when, when it comes to having those conversations with our kids. Um, early, easier when they're, when they're little, but as they get older, again, it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's harder. But we find when that is taking place, kids stay in the church. When it's not taking place, you know, you're kind of throwing it up in the wind and saying, you know, are they, are they going to stay or not? Mm. Why, why are traditions, traditions, why are they so important? Well, you know, we, we all have traditions. We have uh, traditions in, in every aspect of life. And so what, what we're saying is build traditions that are, that are meaningful, almost like, say, rites of passage. The latest book I wrote was a book called Pass It On. It's a book for families with, from kindergartners to, to, to uh, 12th grade to celebrate a rite of passage each year. So, you know, you might have a rite of passage where at second grade you give them a Bible. You might have, at, you know, in middle school, you're going to have a purity code uh, rite of passage. But, you know, a driver's license is a rite of passage. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think we build traditions. In, in our family, for example, we have a birthday coming up. And so we'll go out to a nice dinner. And uh, then we will go around the table at the end and we'll say three good things about that person. It's an affirmation. We call it affirmation bombardment. Mm-hmm. Well, that tradition 
started when the kids were young and, you know, they didn't have as deep of things. They might say, you know, you have really cute green eyes to, you know, one of the daughters thinks <laughs> mm-hmm. the other. But now they're talking about soul, character, you know, much more important things. And, and, and it's, it's beautiful. It's incredible. But that's a tradition that they won't, you know, let us get by. I mean, in fact, now we have some, we have a son-in-law and we have a couple of uh, boys who are more than friends getting pretty close probably to another marriage here. And, um, you know, these guys come on and on their phones, they have the three good things because they know if they're coming to that dinner, you know, it's a part of it, whether they liked it or not. You know, they kind of, they've been warned or whatever. But, you know, my, my family loves that. So, you know, that kind of a tradition. We have a tradition, actually, uh, and have done it for years and years that, that dad saves up frequent flyer miles. And on December 26th or December 27th, we actually fly to Maui and the entire family comes and uh, mom and dad, uh, you know, pay for the flights and you know there's some things that our kids now do as the, as adults but uh, all they, they they can do anything they want while they're there but we do it we do uh, we'll do four dinners out of the week together and that's a, a tradition now again that's a fancy tradition for us but you know just the, even the little traditions are are important traditions around Christmas traditions around you know Easter holidays where you do certain uh, things that are that are special we have a at Thanksgiving for years, Kathy has uh, had the girls when they were younger. We would go to a, uh, a women's shelter, and we would uh, help them with their Thanksgiving meal, both by paying for it and then, but not. We just don't want to pay for it with our kids. We wanted to help them, uh, you know, cook it, and mm-hmm. so we got involved in that. And then as kids got older, they said, "Well, why, why aren't, why are we thinking about quitting this? We need to keep doing it." So now they don't live in our house, but we still go to this women's shelter because that's what the kids want to do. One of our kids was even kind of falling away from the Lord at the time, uh, not horribly, but not going to church and, you know, kind of wondering what she was going to do with her life. But when it came time to that, that's what she did. She goes, well, you know, we, we must, she was the most vocal about it. So those kind of traditions are, you know, we have to be proactive about it. Mm. You know, I think as parents and grandparents, um, be proactive about the, you know, the traditions that uh, will be meaningful to your kids. And you never know what's meaningful and what's not. You just do them. Jim, I know that you believe in the power of prayer. And yep. so today I want to share with you that I'm going to start praying that on December 26th or 27th, you come to Oahu. Forget Maui. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you are one of the greatest prayer warriors I know, Suzanne, and I believe in everything that you're saying. But uh, the tickets have been bought, oh, uh, right, half are coming on the 26th to Maui and half are coming on the 27th. You know, when I was getting my Ph.D., and Suzanne, you might know this, and Danny, you being in, in uh, graduate school right now, but uh, we, we moved to Maui for four months, mm-hmm. and I, believe it or not, wrote my dissertation in Maui. Mm-hmm. Um, this is in the 1980s, and we homeschooled oh, our kids for, oh. those, for those things. So our kids think that for some reason, <laughs> A, they're part Hawaiian, and B, they think that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're, sometimes they have more... Uh, Maui blood in them than anything else. Oh, Although if I ever gave them the op, precious. isn't that funny? But if I gave them the opportunity to come to Oahu at any time, they 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 uh, they would choose that. Now back in the day when I would was in much more in Oahu speaking, mm-hmm. um, and Kathy would typically go with me, and she didn't travel. She you know with our kids, she wasn't always traveling or whatever. But uh, one of my daughters traveled with me for four years, but she would never get the Hawaii trip because mom would take it. She just oh, couldn't I understand why that it. was. All right, well, I'll understand why. you when we're on Kauai. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> you got it. We're okay. going to be at Kauai in, right. in, uh, in March. Okay. Jim, what about, what about blended families? 
you know, mm-hmm. blended single parent families wanting to share parents wanting to share their faith and values, but there's uh, not the same level of continuity uh, in a in a family with two two parents. Yeah. Well, first of all, Danny, I really do believe that a lot of single moms and some single dads mm-hmm. are some of the finest parents I know. I, I really do. I mean, they, they don't know this because they're they're tired, and, and they also understand it is easier. For, for Kathy and I, it was easier as a couple because I could play good cop and she could play bad cop and vice versa, you know, at times, lean on each other. But I really do think they're, they, they do a good job, a lot of them. I just don't think that they know that because they're, they're, they're too tired. But, um, you know, I think this is a this is something that they, they have to be even extra uh, uh, careful on. What, all, what will happen to me, um, Homeward is the largest provider of parenting seminars in the United States, and there's 27 of us who do it under the Homeward banner, but I'm out there quite a bit doing these. And, you know, a couple will come to me and say, we are Christ followers, and yet her, her ex is not. And so when the kids are there, they can do all this other stuff, and they, you know, and when they come to our house, and, you know, they can't, and uh, faith, we want them to go to church, but, you know, when, when they're with, you know, the ex or whatever. Um, and, you know, those are, those are real life issues that we're going to, that we have to face the, the world of, uh, the world that I described, Kathy and I being married for 42 years and, um, you know, living in pretty much the, my, my kids have all lived in the same house. I mean, they don't now, but they, they you know, they grew up in the same house. Uh-huh. That's not the norm today. Right. The norm that we, we are definitely a minority in that. So I think it's important that we in the church uh, deal with single parents. I think it's important that we, we think through the issues of blended family. And, you know, a lot of us are not using hardly the word, uh, Danny and Suzanne, anymore, blended family, because it almost shows that that's something that, that can be done simply. Uh, you know, man and woman fall in love, but that doesn't mean that their children from previous relationships are going to immediately fall in love uh, with each other and with the you know, new spouse and things like that. It's very, very complicated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is where we in the church have to reach out and spend more time talking about what is a, what does a blended family look like and, and, and what can you do? And I really think there's some great, there's some great resources out there. There's also some very good, um, there's a lot of hope of people who are making it, but no one is saying that it's simple or um, lacks complication because it does. Mm-hmm. When you have led your family uh, in devotions, Mm-hmm. And you've, you and Kathy set up that kind of tradition in your yeah. own uh, family uh, family life. Have you ever had the kids, you know, moan and groan a little bit when it's <laughs> devotion time? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm actually laughing because we just talked about this with our family last week. They, they actually said they liked Kathy's devotions better than they liked <laughs> mine uh, because I would talk, they said, for too long. And and Kathy was not fair. She would do devotions, and she wouldn't call it devotions. She'd call it, hey, we're going to have some family time. And she would bring chocolate and uh, and licorice to the uh, to the you know the experience. And uh, you know, Dad would just open up his Bible and start trying to talk to him like I was. They were you know youth or something when they, even when they were little. And uh, and Kathy, we would do dramas. We would do skits. We would when they were little, they'd color. So they loved. They loved Kathy's style. Mm-hmm. You know, we both Kathy and I not being raised in Christian homes, we had no idea how you do this devotion stuff. So we finally decided that we would call it family time. Um, we actually did it every Sunday night, and it needed to have at least chocolate, or eventually I think we got rid of the licorice and went to the popcorn <laughs> or just fun food. And uh, you know what? What that 
uh, still to this day, if the kids come on Sunday night, uh, we have a little bit of a, a devotional time because that's what they expect to have happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just say kiss. Keep it short and simple, Danny. And, mm-hmm. and yes, there was moaning, but more about <laughs> me than Kathy. Here I am, the you know the communicator in the family of in terms of you know speaking outside, and, and it was Kathy that they liked because she uh, <laughs> she knew what she was doing, and I was a dud. Well, uh, you 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 give comfort to me, uh, Dr. Jim Burns, and uh, probably to other other fathers there who have had to had to uh, take. Uh, our kids in their various forms of protest uh, in in these moments. Uh, Homeward.com, Dr. Jim Burns, his ministry, again, 27 uh, speakers, uh, most extensive uh, provider of uh, seminars and resources, uh, Homeward.com. As we think about life, as we think about teens, as we think about parenting, dear friend, have you ever felt like your life was just... uh, so crowded that you had so many things going on um, and your energy was depleting? How about your, your spirituality? Uh, maybe you felt like uh, like you were running on empty? Well, if you have, uh, when we come back, we'll talk about replenishing uh, overcrowded lives. You can find parenting advice, marriage advice, cultural updates at homeward.com. What should we do when we observe negative family patterns? Things you know need to change. Uh, They've been with you for, well, as long as you know. Maybe you didn't even realize that it just continues from generation to generation. What do you do? This and more from Dr. Jim Burns. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Wandering the road of desperate life. Aimlessly beneath the barren sky Leave it to me i lead you home Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a program that was born out of prayer. The Spirit of Christ guides us through prayer, empowers us through prayer, and provides for us through prayer. There are mighty things that the Lord is doing in the Northeast, across the United States, and around the world. Would you like to be a part of God's work through The Good Life with Dr. Danny? Visit drdanny.live. Dr. Danny invites you to join his prayer team. Each month, you will receive a letter updating you on some of the -the behind-the-scenes developments, prayer requests, along with a devotional that Dr. Danny writes to encourage you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Join the prayer team today and make an eternal difference in people's lives. Visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today, we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview when I hosted this show in Hawaii. I'm joined with my co-host, Suzanne Maurer. Please enjoy. According to the Homeward.com site, most people parent their kids 
by circumstance and chance. So how important is it to develop a healthy, God-honoring parenting philosophy? Well, we have none other than Dr. Jim Burns himself with us today. Danny Yamashiro here with Suzanne Maurer. We're glad you're with us. It's a meaty time, uh, a time when our parenting, uh, you know, our parenting program, our parenting insights will grow uh, by leaps and bounds. Dr. Burns, tell us, uh, how important is it to develop a healthy and God-honoring parent parenting philosophy? Well, I think we have a, we need a strategy. I mean, if you're going to start a business, you're going to have a strategy. If you have a ministry, you have a strategy. But for a lot of us, we we really never thought about it. We, I mean, we have a hard enough time just getting through Thursday, <laughs> take a breath, and then start again with the kids. So I always find that if uh, if parents will, you know, develop a strategy, they, they're never going to be totally on the same page because two human beings, I always say a sinner marries another sinner, and then you have sinnerlings, and you kind of messes up the thing. But... Um, you know, I, I, I find that if we have a strategy to live by, we have a strategy uh, faith-wise. Uh, if we move into discipline and we have a strategy with discipline, we have a strategy with how we're going to talk to kids about morals and values. We have a strategy about, you know, all these different things. We'll do a lot better. But a lot of parents kind of say, gosh, you know, we, we think a lot about their education or we think a lot about, um, you know, we're just tied into their school sports or whatever it might be, but we haven't really taken the time to you know, have an overall strategy. So I say take a step back, develop something, and that's how you become a confident parent. I mean, confident parenting, uh, it's kind of an oxymoron. I mean, to be a confident parent, I mean, almost, mm-hmm. I mean, it is impossible. It's a little bit like eating diet ice cream. I'm not sure that's really, the, <laughs> you know, that ever works. But um, the way you become a confident parent and actually do better with your kids is when you do develop a strategy. Yes. And a lot of people, you mentioned it uh, right before the break, a lot of people will say, well, you know, I came from a negative family pattern myself, and so I really don't know what to do. And, you know, the Bible's very clear that we inherit the sins of a previous generation to the third and fourth generation. So we are going to inherit bents, family sin bents or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we can break that chain. Uh, we, Kathy and I call it the transitional generation, and, and that's what we are. We're, we're a transitional generation. Our kids are followers of Christ. Our kids are going to parent differently. We have a daughter named Christy who, who actually has, we have a little 10-month-old. And, you know, she's, she's doing a great job with this with him. Well, you know, her excitement about his dedication and her excitement about his involvement as time goes on in church, I mean, he goes to church now, but, you know, he's in the nursery. But, you know, her involvement is so different than, than what our parents experienced. And, and even for us, we didn't know what we were doing back then. So, you know, it's, it's very possible. But to do that, you've got to take a step back and uh, say, okay, what kind of negative patterns am I doing in my life, and how can I overcome that? Um, and again, it's not easy, but it can be done. I think you can break the chain of dysfunction in one generation. Uh, nobody said it was going to be easy or perfect, but that—that's the point that I'm trying to say. Is no, you can create a strategy, and you know, books like Confident Parenting. Uh, you referred to that. Uh, you know, that's a strategy book on parenting. It's a book on you know, here's some things you can do. And parents, I think they always need to read a book a year. Or they need to go to a seminar when they can and try to, if they're married together, they should try to get on the same page as much as they can. But if they don't have a strategy, they're not going to know which direction to go. And, and then they will parent by circumstance and chance. We're talking to a people who are busy. Uh, busy, so busy that busy is the norm. So 
yeah. an overcrowded life, well, okay, so that's it. We we are all overcrowded. We're, um, but how do you find replenishment, Jim, for overcrowded yeah. lives? Yeah. Well, it's got, you know, the, Paul actually gave some good advice to Timothy when he said, "Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness." And you know, I'm not going to tell uh, all of your listeners that what they need to do is you know go live in a commune uh, on the backside of you know Kauai someplace. What I am going to say is we've got to figure it out here and now. And and you know, this it's this breathless. I think one of the biggest problems in America and definitely in the state that you're talking to me from right now is is this breathless pace in which we live our lives. And and uh, when we live the kind of fast-paced lives that we have, we become overcommitted and underconnected. Even the good people hmm. are so overcommitted that they become underconnected with what I call their primary relationships. That would be God, if they're married, their spouse, their kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and all of a sudden they look up one day and they're just lost because, you know, they're so busy. When, when I graduated from Princeton with my master's, a friend of mine wrote me a note and he said, I didn't go stay for the graduation. I was on my way to go do youth ministry back here in California. And uh, he wrote me a note, and he said, Dear Jim, we missed you at graduation. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Well, that was mm-hmm. prophetic for me, mm-hmm. because you know I was never the person who was going to be in the arms of another woman. What I was going to do was be so busy doing important things, in quotes, that I was going to miss some of the most important things. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to be able to say no to a lot of really good things so that we can say yes to the most important things. Do we need to be hit hard by something, you know, some some tragedy, something that really gets our attention? Or is there some way to maybe learn this lesson by avoiding that? Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, I, I don't think we have to always learn from... I, I learn more from my failures. I learn more from, uh, you know, if a tragedy comes or from poor decisions or, you know, big-time uh, misses in my life. I think I learned more from that. But at the same time, I don't think we always have to have just mm. the tragedy. I do think we have to be able to, um, I, I think a lot of times we can learn from it and then do a course correction. Um, and so for me in my life, the busyness, I get into seasons still where I go, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. And I'll have to do a course correction. And so what I have to do is learn how to do that. I'm not a big time golfer, but mm-hmm. when I was in college, I played in the golf team. And, you know, what, what That's they big said to me, back Jim then was... If you played on the golf team, that's big. <laughs> <laughs> but well, yeah, well, wasn't that good of a golf team actually? But um, but in the, but but the fact was, you, you know, you hit a bad, a, a, you hit a bad golf, you know, you have a bad swing, you have whatever. Well, then you just do a course correction. Mm. In fact, I was speaking in Houston oh, just uh, not too long ago, and I was and an astronaut. I met my first astronaut. I was all excited. This guy comes up wow. to me. And he, he was an astronaut. Mm. And he said, actually. 90, uh, we, we are in control, NASA is in control 3% of the time, and 97% we're making course corrections. <laughs> I thought, mm-hmm. that is our relationship with God, that's our relationship with, you know, with family, our marriages. But what we've got to do is figure out how to do those course corrections. Yes. You know, Jim, what I'm hearing, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm hearing that we need to live with, uh, am I going to say this word correctly, intentionality. Yeah, uh, yeah no, your your Hebrew word of love—it's an intentional love. Yeah, but right. there's all aspects of our life where we need to step back and uh, regroup and have an intentional plan. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I, I think so. And, and, and part of it is making sure that we're taking care of our own soul. Mm-hmm. You know, I was speaking at Hawaii Baptist Academy a number of years ago. I was doing a purity code conference. An incredible amount of kids were in this gymnasium. I remember. And a woman was sitting in the front who was going to be at a convention, the hymn convention, later. And uh, her husband, the people there didn't know this, but her husband had had an affair. And I knew the, the, this woman and the man quite well. And she came up to me. She was crying afterwards because she'd seen all these kids make this good decision. I mean, years ago, Suzanne, you were probably mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Definitely praying for those kids. And um, she came up and she said, you know, Jim, I have a word from God for you. And it scared the bejeebies out of me because when people say that, like, is my zipper down? You know, what is this <laughs> word from God? That's X, Y, Z. And so she said, may I share it with you? And I love that she didn't just force it upon me. She said, may I share it? I said, well, I'd love to have you hear it. And she said, well, I think the Lord wants me to say to you, untended fires soon become nothing but a pile of ashes. And that was, that God mm. used that phrase, mm. untended fires, soon become nothing but a pile of ashes. And, and, and in reality, we've got to tend our own soul. That's not selfish. So, Suzanne, when you take time in prayer, when, when I make a commitment to God a number of years ago that, you know, I'm going to be with God every day going through my one-year Bible, spending some time with my prayer journal, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of things. Those are the things that people don't see. But frankly, that is intentionality and discipline. So even today, my time with God today, I have a small group that meets at 7 o'clock in the morning, and so I spent about five minutes with God before our Bible study. Mm-hmm. I was sitting literally in the parking lot. We, us guys get together. We've done it for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I spent this little time. I hardly remember what I read scripturally, and I said a quick prayer, but that nourishes me for today. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember sometimes what I, what I thought about in prayer two weeks ago, but it nourishes me for day. I don't, I don't remember what I ate two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So it's the intentionality of, of keeping our soul uh, in touch with him, mm-hmm. of, of releasing our day on a regular basis with him. That helps us become, I think, better, well, better Christ followers. Also, it helps us become better, you know, parents and, you know, workers and everything else. Mm-hmm. Mm. Jim and- in the last, uh, we got a couple minutes left. Uh, wondering if you can lead in a prayer and pray for our dear listeners. But with this frame, uh, a, a listener, a friend wants to raise their child to love God. How should they do that? Could you pray for them in that way and maybe include uh, an insight along the way? Well, Almighty God, we are so thankful that uh, you are the creator of uh, not only heaven and earth, but you're also the creator of family. And mm. for sometimes when we look at family, we see it as uh, negative or complicated, definitely complicated. Uh, and Lord, I pray for every person, every listener, that as we deal with our families, that you would give us wisdom and insight, that we would not do it on our own, but that you would be the uh, the God who, who takes uh, our ability to... Uh, to relate to our family, and give us the strength to uh, to make good and right and wise decisions. We pray for kids today. It's not an easy time to grow up uh, in the United States or anywhere. And I pray, God, that, that uh, you would draw them to you. I pray, God, that you would draw uh, leaders to, uh, to you and that you would give them the strength and the wisdom to reach out to kids, kids who are like myself or Suzanne or Danny, who uh, along the way have had mentors and and Mm -hmm. heroes who have come along not even realizing that they had touched our hearts in special ways, uh, and and really they had shown you, Lord, to us through their life. So I pray for that, and I pray for 
families, maybe a person who's discouraged, that you would give them an, an extra dose of comfort by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Jim, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, being with us. Thank you for sharing your heart with us and and so many deep insights. We appreciate it. Well, you. thank you, Danny. Great to be with you. And you you are sitting next to one of the world's most wonderful people, Suzanne. Oh, you're so I think sweet. She's at thank least, you. Bless you. She's probably at least 25 or 26 now. 75 um, and loving it, honey. Love isn't it. That, isn't that great? Well, I tell you, <laughs> when you. I'm 75, I want to I be like you. <laughs> thank Suzanne. you. So, okay. Anyway. Blessings to both of you. God bless. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Words of hope from Dr. Jim Burns, homeward.com. Dear friend, God's timing is perfect. There's no better time than right now to share the love of Jesus with someone near you. And if you haven't done so, I believe this is the perfect moment to open your heart to Christ. Go to drdanny.live for next steps. Find resources to reach family and friends. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or major podcast platforms. Acts 10 verse 2, speaking of Cornelius, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. It's always a blessing to be with you. Thank you to Dr. Jim Burns, homeward.com. Until next time, along with my producer and creative director, Brian Torres, social media director, Luke Yamashiro, and guest coordinator, Jan Yi. I'm Danny Yamashiro. Remember, the Lord is with you as you share the love of Jesus with someone today. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of The Good Life with Dr. Danny. We hope that today's program has been a blessing for you and that you may find hope in hearing how God's Word affects people from all walks of life. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a listener-supported program, and we'd like for you to prayerfully consider becoming a sponsor or donor. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. Be sure to tune in weekdays at 6 p.m. to hear The Good Life with Dr. Danny. Until next time, may God richly bless you with the good life.